Your voice. Your questions. Your morning radio with Clement Maniatella. This is 702. All right, it's 25 minutes before 11 o'clock. We started a new series about three weeks ago. We call it CEO Conversations. This is where I bring in a CEO and directors from big industry in the country to have a conversation about this country. We look at the challenges. We look at the economy. Uh, even look at the global challenges and how all of this impacts on their businesses. But I also want to hear what they think the solutions are to the challenges that this country is facing. Because there are lots of challenges, right, that are killing business. Whether it's the energy crisis, whether it's crime, the, the logistical constraints, you name it. That has an impact on business, on the economy. And that has an impact on the future operations of these businesses. And that has an impact on job creations. So I would like to know what they think the solutions are to the challenges. Where do they think the failures are? We've already had the group CEO of Standard Bank, Sim Chabalala. We've had the Volkswagen South Africa CEO, Martina Bina. And today I'm joined by Mark Barnes, who is an investment banker, director at Peppel Group and the former post office uh, CEO. Now, the Peppel Group is a JSC listed group. It's a financial services and technology group offering online trading, investment, and asset management. In fact, its main assets are its Easy Group portfolio, which includes Easy Equities, Easy Properties, and Easy Asset Management. Uh, and Mark Barnes joined, joins us now via Zoom. Thank you for making time for us, Mark. Good morning. Kevin, and good morning to you. Thanks for your interest. I want to start off by looking at what your assessment is when you look at our country right now, what is your assessment of the state of the country right now and its leadership? Well, you must have heard this from a lot of people. We, 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 we're sort of reaching common analysis here. I think, I think we're in uh, some trouble. Uh, you know, if, if you look at a 6% uh, deficit GDP uh, on the budget, if you look at um, uh, the leadership I might describe them even as squabbles and and sort of the absence of any certain choice in the upcoming elections. And if you look at the underlying uh, inhibitors to our economy, uh, both locally and our ability to participate uh, internationally because of logistics uh, impediments that we have and because, uh, you know, the cost of our capital keeps going on up and up and up then. And and if you look at uh, the, the, the breadth of poverty, and uh, you know the fact that political parties are even using the the 350 uh, rand uh, disaster grant, if I can call it that, to get votes is an indictment on the underlying fundamentals of our economy. So, uh, without a vibrant, sustainable economy, our desire to address inequality, uh, you know, unemployment and poverty. Don't stand a chance, you know, because we need a foundation of uh, uh, to afford change. So I, I, you know, I think it's I think it's not good. Hmm. What what challenges or, or failures is the country experiencing and facing now, and and how are they affecting um, your business the most? Well, you know. Let's just talk more generally than my, my business. My business is, is, is online. In fact, it's growing very nicely. But I, I, I think we find ourselves in a situation where the underlying economy has got these kinds of challenges, but they cannot be looked at in absence of government performance. Okay. So we find now that the government is sticking to what I 
describe as regulatory sources of income rather than just its share of tax in a thriving and prosperous economy. So, for example, we started to look at VAT increases afford what we're doing. We're starting to look at increasing the municipal value of your home so that we can charge higher rates and taxes. We're starting to look at, if I might call them, artificial and imposed sources of revenue because the underlying economy um, has some structural faults which, which, which needs to be addressed. And so the remedies that governments use around the world only come into play if the underlying naturality of the socioeconomic ecosystem starts dysfunctioning. Okay, so you impose tariffs on imported goods only because you're not the lowest cost producer or because the people on the other side of that equation are cheating mm. and setting to you dumping, you know, below cost. And so all these government interventions, ours and those on the other side of our trade and social equations are as a result of an underlying economy that's, that, that, that's not, that's not functional. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so I would argue, and if you look at, uh, you know, the failure of, of state-owned enterprises, it's almost universal now. Uh, most recently, I read uh, yesterday about the land bank selling off its, uh, you know, its non-performing loans, and 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 I don't think the solution is who can buy the stuff that's gone off. I reckon who can make sure that more stuff doesn't go off. So what we what we got is an is a management uh, deficit, and uh, and we're not without skills across the the debate in South Africa. You know, I've come across skills at all levels of the economy, in all levels of our geography and demographics. Okay, so we've got ample skills. What we don't have mm-hmm. uh, is common purpose. You know, so, uh, and and national pride. Yeah, and and what's going to bring about that that common purpose? And and how can South Africa? or the South African government step up and, and solve the, these problems that are throttling businesses and quite frankly, destroying the economy. So what needs to be done right now by government? What do you think it's going to take to turn things around? Well, you know, I think it's, it's first of all, let's all get over ourselves. Okay. And let's get into a room uh, where all of our past is at the door. Where we talking about our future, not where we've come from, but where we're going to. I mean, I, I, that's a hard thing to do, and I'm not saying it must be done forever, but just for the purposes of reaching a point of intersection between business and government. So that's a start. The second thing is uh, we are led, as is most of the world, America, even worse than us, by old people okay, who are looking to harvest, not to plant. Okay, We are an extraordinary young democracy in world terms. We're a young economy in world terms, and we are blessed with goodness knows how many, uh, you know, natural resources. It's the mining in Darba this weekend and agricultural expertise and fertile ground and all of these good things. So if we were to get our act together, but we would need people that are 45 years old who've got their money in this country and their children in this country and invested interest in long-term strategic plans, and there we need to start planting and stop harvesting. Now, to do that will require us all to believe in the short-term pain that we need to go through for the long-term gain. And that will only be achieved by convincing leadership who don't speculate or lie and who can show incremental evidence of achievement of small but countable things that 
bring food into the house and education into our minds. And I'm afraid without all of that, all the speeches and dances and colors and schemes uh, will just not fall on fertile ground. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit, as you can, as you can gather, I'm a little bit skeptical at the moment, but we're not without promise. We're not, the solution doesn't only lie in the capital that's sitting idle in South Africa because uh, business capital has got choice. Okay. So either we give them a deal that persuades them to stay or they're going to go and they've been going. Okay. And foreign direct investment directly into projects, not into the government, not into the municipalities, but into building dams and sewage farms and, uh, and railway lines and things. Uh, direct foreign investment will save us if and only if this is an investment environment which has an appropriate risk-return equation. Now, I'm not saying we should be without risk, but the returns must be commensurate with and the risks must be manageable and measurable. Okay. Yesterday, I drove into an area to drop some waste, a municipal waste drop uh, place. I must tell you, they are the best managed things I've come across, these waste drops. They're all clean and tidy and well-behaved and, and so on. Anyway, but driving there, I saw a sign. Like, you know, you see these signs, beware potholes. I saw a sign on the yield side of the road which said, smash and grab hotspot. Okay? Now, uh, if now if you're a foreign investor and you're looking at South Africa and someone puts on top of the investment proposal, smash and grab hotspot, you're not going to go there. I was speaking to my daughter. She said, Dad, get off your cell phone and drive fast. Okay. So we need to change the perceptions about corruption, about the, you know, about dealing not at fair market value and at arm's length. And it's all possible if for goodness sake, we stop looking across the table at one another and get onto the same side. And we all want to, hey, mm-hmm. We all want to. I mean, at, at Pebble Group, you, you deal with, with investment management. What's, what's your sense of the attitudes and, and the sentiment of investors given the challenges the country is facing now? And how do you improve investors' interest if, if that's beginning to go down? Well, I think people are in a wait and see mode, particularly now. I mean, we, we, this is a year full of events, not only in South Africa. There's something like 64 countries going to the polls this year. So, uh, you know, I think people are sitting waiting with their money. I mean, you can earn a very good risk-free return on government bonds at the moment. So that's tempting. You know, if you can earn a real return of two or three percent without any risk, well, then why would you bother to take equity risk and, and so on? But that means that a lot of capital is sitting on the side or looking offshore when the juicy apple is still here. And so, we need to persuade people that this is a long-term investment destination before they release that capital or, or worse still, take it offshore. So, uh, you know, I think we've, we've got to talk about an environment that's conducive to investment. Whenever you see a small startup coming into focus, then all of a sudden the capital pours into it, almost to the point of being, uh, you know, reckless, because there is a pent-up capital I can't wait for us to succeed. I mean, I only refer to our recent success so far in AFCON. You know, Bafana Bafana through to the semifinals. Man, that's going to make us invest more. Okay. It is okay? because we feel happier about ourselves and our lot in life. So certainty, some long-term plans, some move away from a, a dependent economy to an independent group of individuals who get supported in the small business development instead of rescued in the absence of that. 
uh, and and it, 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 you know it's 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 a comprehensive investment strategy that needs to replace a, you know a social rescue net uh, and so uh, we need some guidelines we need to know how the deficit's going to be uh, dealt with and I think that investors are sitting on the sideline and those with this capital are in pause mode as far as South Africa is concerned mm-hmm. and it's a busy year yeah what are they hoping for? Um, I mean, they, they could either think, all right, um, if we want more long-term, we want certainty. If the governing party returns to power, at least we know their policies. Um, we know, you know, where they're trying to take things and as far as the economy is concerned, but we also know uh, what their failures are. Or maybe they're looking at other opposition parties that have some credibility that could come in and, and change things and, you know, implement all of those changes you've mentioned that could kickstart this economy again and, 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 and make this country a champion that it can be. So w- what are they waiting for? What are they hoping for? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a politician and uh, I've got better things to do, quite frankly. But, but if our politicians stop talking about each other, okay, uh, stop talking about how bad the others are and start talking about the plan and what we're going to do rather than who we are and who they are and what, you know, what, what, what their failures are and so on. It's, it's easy to criticize. It's far more difficult and far more valuable to put down a measurable alternative. So I think, uh, I think, I think, I think, and I don't know that a vast proportion of our population, first of all, have given up. I heard that 14 million, we have 14 million uh, eligible but unregistered voters. And so, uh, there, there seems to be no credible gathering to challenge the ruling party. Mm. Um, and yet there seems to be, uh, you know, um, a likelihood that they'll have to continue in some form of coalition. And those haven't always worked, but maybe there's some key ministries that can be up for debate, like, uh, you know, education and healthcare and, and, and finance and so on. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and I think we, we're all just hoping to say, okay, we believe you. First of all, and the track record hardly gives credibility to the future promise. Okay. So stop that. Stop pretending. Stop making things up that we know you can't do. Okay. And, and only tell us things that you can do, that we can measure and that will affect us directly as individual human beings, not as uh, members of a grouping that has at uh, you know that had has as it roots historical differences. I mean that we've got to get past that, uh, and so you know it's hard. I don't know. It's very hard to do this. You know, but we, we we've done it before. Uh, instead of a war, we chose a uh, you know a constitutional democracy. Now let's get on with it. You know, let's do something with that extraordinary achievement. Uh, and stop fighting against one another and fight for the the country and our people. And so. Uh, you know, I think that, um, I think investment certainty, the credibility of a long-term strategy, honesty and reality are things that need to replace the political rhetoric and agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll all be prepared to forgive a lot more if we found a reason to hold hands mm-hmm. instead. What does business need to do? Because it also needs to come to the party and, and help fix what is yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah, business. Listen, I think that in business, I think the government has shown evidence of an inferiority complex there. They, they, they feel, you know, that they're not 
having a fair fight, and business has got a superiority complex. There's no question about that. And so how the hell do those two people cut a deal, okay? So business has to come to the table. Business has to listen as much as they talk. Business has to come to the table and say, we have capital that is available on the following conditions. Now, if those conditions are, if those conditions are, um, you know, that, uh, that, uh, get rid of this. If those conditions are that, um, you have to appoint the following people or do the following things. Mm. Uh, Mark, I think you may have mistakenly muted yourself there. All right, something just went wrong there with Mark Barnes as he was making the point. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick ad break, try and reestablish that line if we have to call him. Uh, we'll do so so we can wrap up that conversation. I see some of your WhatsApps coming through, your calls. Happy to talk those, take those as well after the break. It's- 702. The Clements Mania Taylor Show. Let's walk the talk. We're wrapping up our series. We call it CO Conversations. And we have been in conversation this uh, half hour with Mark Barnes, who's an investment banker, director at Pepple Group and the former post office uh, CEO. Mark, you got disconnected there as you were responding I'm to... Back online. Yes, wonderful. You were talking about the role <laughs> that business can play in helping fix what is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we need to, uh, we need to, uh, you know, leave our baggage at the door and talk about without, without, um, you know, getting into, into our, our typical debates, talking about, you know, private public partnerships, but valid ones. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, private public partnerships that are fair and, and, and done at fair market value. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. We're listening. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and, and where there is, I mean, I think there's, I, there remains an appropriate role for the state as an organ of state, uh, and it has responsibilities and opportunities which should remain within the state. But I do think that a mixture, uh, of, of, of expertise and capital coming from both business and, uh, and the state, uh, could be part of the movement towards a solution, part of the transition. And so, and I think, uh, you know, if we, if we start having those kinds of specific discussions, like, you know, the, we need to build a dam in this municipality. Who's going to build it? Who's going to operate it? Uh, when is it, when is it convert to being a South African asset? All of those kinds of commercially valid, uh, you know, principles of investment. We'll start seeing a flurry of investment into the country, but at the moment, if you were to ask uh, foreign capital to direct through municipalities or via the government, they'd have reticence with good cause. And so we have to start circumventing that reticence with evidence of partnerships between business expertise and capital and government expertise and power. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so those elements of design, we absolutely need an intersection between political power and economic strength. And right now, those two forces seem to be further apart than they would, than they need to be to bring about a, ses- a successful combination. And you can't have one or the other. You need both. So we need to find that middle ground. Yeah, yeah. And where do you think, because to find a middle ground, you also need to have um, a relationship uh, with government. Has government and, and business presented a united front? I mean, when you look at what's happened over the last couple no. of months, you've 
you've been at loggerheads, or maybe it's government that has been as loggerheads with the private sector with accusations of engineering, you know, the collapse mm. of the state. Yeah, I, you know, I just don't see why it would be in private sector's interest to collapse the state. I mean, there was talk about the banks wanting to collapse the government. Why would they, uh, you know, why would they, you know, kill them, the, the food that they live off? Okay. I mean, I, I don't find any logic, defensible logic in that. There may be some naughty children in the school, but the, that doesn't change the purpose of, of, of what we're doing. Okay. And so, uh, I don't buy any of that nonsense. I do buy that there's a gap between us and government. I do buy that there's a trust deficit and it will take extraordinary leadership on both sides. And both sides need to listen more than they talk mm. and say, guys, the problem isn't each other. The problem is our country and our people. Okay. And so can we focus on them instead of who's going to win this argument? Who's going to create the solution? And who does that and, and stop keeping score? You know, start looking at the problem instead of looking at each other and wanting to win. Forget about winning. Let's create, uh, you know, together. So, I th- you know, I think that sort of uh, line has to be crossed. And I- I'm afraid to say that in the absence of some extraordinary new emerging leadership, the thing that will take us there is an existential crisis. You know, when mm-hmm. it gets so bad, when, when, when there's no water, you know, um, you know, in, in places, uh, you can't live for more than three days without water. Okay. Yeah. When there's, uh, you know, forget about the you know, convenience of electricity and all of those kinds of, when there's no water. Okay. Because the dams are, are polluted and the reticulation system is dysfunctional and so on and so on. And so on. Then I'm afraid people gather out of need and, and, and hold hands as a matter of survival. Now, surely, Intellectually, we can get to that point without having to go there. Mm. Okay. How- and that requires us you know, to recognize each other's strength and for once to just be one country. Yes. Yeah. Just, just lastly and quickly, how concerned are you by some of the geopolitical events and what our position um, has been as South Africa? I know some businesses have been concerned about um, even this case that South Africa took to the ICJ. They're concerned that there may be alienated by the U.S. in key trading arrangements. Is that a legitimate concern? Yeah. Uh, Clement, that, that discussion is way above my pay scale, and I can't believe I'd get an answer which wouldn't get criticized by one or other of the players. So it's, you know, but I'll say this. Um, uh, you know, we've got enough trouble at home. Can we just do what we need to do here first? And, yeah, I mean, the whole world, it's not, this is not a South African discussion. This, the world, to some greater or lesser extent, there are wars everywhere. Uh, there are geopolitical shifts taking place between the East and the West mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, and, and so on. Um, that stuff is way above my depth of understanding or my right to speak. Mark Bunce, thank you so much for making time for us.